Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. It's America. We commercialize everything. Look what we did to Christmas. Christmas. Christmas is Jesus' birthday. It's Jesus' birthday. Now, I don't know Jesus. But from what I've read, Jesus is the least materialistic person to ever roam the earth. No bling on Jesus. Jesus kept a low profile, and we turned his birthday into the most materialistic day of the year. Matter of fact, we have the Jesus birthday season. It's a whole season of materialism. Then at the end of the Jesus birthday season, we have the nerve to have an economist come on TV and tell you how horrible the Jesus birthday season was this year. Oh, we had a horrible Jesus' birthday this year. Hopefully business will pick up by his crucifixion. Well, hey, good morning. Welcome to ACF Church. My name is Brian, and I'm one of the pastors here. We are glad that you're with us today. Um, hey, by the way, as people are coming in, if you have an extra seat in your row, would you just kind of squeeze together and uh, just make some space? We've got people still showing up to church this morning. So um, welcome. We're so glad that you're here with us. It's a good week to be at church, right, church? Um, we are just grateful to be together, but, and we always are, but uh, we had church on Wednesday, and the timing was just right to be in the church. Um, after the political season, after uh, the vote, we got together and we just worshiped together and it was so good. And so hopefully uh, for you today, um, you can kind of get refocused uh, this morning. For me, um, this is my third time getting together this week uh, with the church and um, I have needed it. I'll tell you, my soul has needed it. Just to be with God's people and, and, to, and to fix our eyes on Jesus who is still Lord, amen? He is still Lord. And so uh, some of you are, um, you know, dancing in the aisles. Some of you are excited. Some of you are very frustrated and scared. There's just a lot going on. And so the reason that the gathering is so important is because every week we need to get together and do this, don't we? Like every week I need to be reminded that, uh, that, that God is, is Lord overall and take my eyes off of my problems or off of the, the future or off of my own situation and fix my eyes on, on Jesus. And so hopefully we can unify around that today. Hopefully uh, we can focus on one thing today and that being Jesus as the final authority going to his word as the, as the, as the authority for our lives and that we can, although we're very diverse, this is a diverse community Community, people from all different kinds of backgrounds and walks of life coming together that we can all fix our eyes on Jesus and, and move forward together as his people. And so I'm grateful for this chance um, that, to, to, that we have to do this. And so we're going to start off by praying. Let's do that. We'll focus our eyes on, on him and then continue on. God, thank you so much for your church. Thank you so much that we can freely come and worship you today. God, uh, we want to unify around you this morning. So would you give peace where there is a lack of peace or there's fear in, in somebody's heart today? God, would you give joy where somebody lacks joy? God, would you bring unity to disunity and bind us together, God, all underneath the banner of those who say, um, Jesus is Lord. So unite us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. So we are starting a new series. This will be three weeks um, talking about our stuff. So the series is called Stuffed, and uh, kind of the title is a little self-explanatory, but every Thanksgiving, uh, the same thing happens. We gather around the Thanksgiving table, um, we fill up our plates, and then we gorge ourselves on food. And I look forward to this every year. I'm already getting excited about Thanksgiving dinner. It's coming. It's so soon. And, and so every year, the same thing happens. We get done. We push away from the table. We stand up, and then we all say, I'm 
stuffed, right? I'm stuffed, which is code for I ate way too much, and I didn't know how to stop when uh, the time was right. And so um, this series is kind of about uh, focusing our, our eyes on what really matters in life, really getting a, a biblical perspective on our stuff and, and trying to learn what does God think of all of the things that we have and how can we actually get through the holiday season and feel a little bit lighter and a little bit freer and have a little bit more faith. Don't you want that? I know I want that in my life. And so would you open up to the book of John, chapter 7. If you don't have a Bible, you can open up the ACF Church app and download that if you don't have that. And you can follow along with us. Uh, Book of John, chapter 7. And I just want to bring you up to date with what's going on in this moment. So Jesus is, is, is speaking to this crowd. And he's speaking to them during one of the major holidays of the Jewish people's um, year. And so it's called the, the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. Now this was a really important time of the year. There are three major holidays and, and Jesus is speaking to this crowd. And, and what this holiday is all about is it's all about remembering. And it's all about looking back. And, and these are good things to have in our lives, are rhythms of remembering what Christ has done and what God has done in our lives. And so for God's people, this is one thing that they were supposed to do, was to gather together and to remember specifically God's provision in the past year. So, so the Feast of Booths, or the Feast of, of ta- Tabernacles would happen, Feast of Booths, not the Feast of Booze. You're like, wow, where do I go to that feast? So um, Feast of Booths, I should pronounce that better. So anyway... Where was I? So uh, the Feast of Booths happens every year, normally during the fall, and it's to celebrate God's provision, to celebrate the the crops and the water that that came to to, to feed the crops so that they could have food for their families. And so much of what they're celebrating is about water specifically because in a desert climate, uh, water was hard to find. Uh, For us in Alaska, we have lots of water. We don't think much about finding water. For them, having water meant everything. It meant that they could provide for their families. And so one of the things that happened during the feast was that uh, the, the, the priest would go outside of the walls of the city. He would get a pitcher of water. He would come in a gate called the water gate of the city. He would go up to the temple, up to the altar, and he would pour water on the altar. And the water would trickle down towards the people, reminding them that the water came from God. So if you have a pen, I want you to write this down. Everything comes from God. Everything comes from God. This is the foundation of what this holiday was all about. It's the foundation of of this conversation about our stuff, is knowing that everything comes from God. The people during this holiday, they would have lived in these little booths. The reason it's called the Feast of Booths is because they would build these these little huts. And so essentially they would go homeless for eight days straight and live in these little huts reminding themselves of when God's people were, were wandering the desert for 40 years. You remember this story? So they were, they were uh, enslaved in Egypt and then they, were, they, were, they escaped from slavery and then they wandered for 40 years um, and God provided everything that they needed for that 40 years. The food that they needed, the water that they needed, He provided everything that they needed for those 40 years. And so again, this is all about remembering that God is our provider. God gives us everything that we could need. And so let's start off by reading John 7, verse 28. It says, so Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple. So he's crashed the party. He's getting up and he's teaching. "Uh, You know me and you know where I come from, but I have not come on my own accord. He who sent me is true and him you do not know. I know him, for I come from him, and he sent me. Okay, so once again, they're celebrating that everything comes from God. The whole party is all about that God is their provider. And right before them is Jesus himself. God in the flesh, right before all of these people. And so they're celebrating how much God does for them, and Jesus is right before them, and they're missing it. They're missing it. They're missing that Jesus is the one that provides everything. And so Jesus is the Savior that God sends to his people, and the the Messiah is right before their eyes, and they're missing Jesus. It's just crazy. So the the celebration itself is about God's provision. They're missing God's provision before their eyes. And so he speaks to the religious, and he's like, hey, you know me, and you know where I come from. What he's saying is, you guys know that I'm just little Jesus from Nazareth, right? This little cow town, you know, nothing, nothing good comes from Nazareth. And so little Jesus from Nazareth, and they know where he comes from, and so they're writing him off. You know, just like you might write off somebody you've known for years. You know, that friend you've known your whole life. They're like, oh yeah, that's just little Jesus. He likes to, you know, get up in the middle of the party and start preaching. And so he's preaching. He's like, hey, you know where I've come from. 
but I have not come on my own accord. He who sent me is true. Jesus is pointing to his father saying, hey, I'm not here because I just want to get up and talk to you. I'm here because God himself has sent me. I am, I am the son of God. I am God himself. And you're missing it. You're missing the focus of this, this whole celebration is about God's provision and you are missing God's provision right before your eyes. So he says some things that are kind of, uh, I think, a challenge to the religious people of their day. Jesus wants them to know a couple things. First, that I'm not here on my own accord. Second, that I am God. And he says it at other times. He, he says, John 8, 42, if, if God were your father, you would love me. Jesus is telling them, hey, if you knew God, you would know who I was. You would, you would trust that I am God. We know that Jesus says, hey, if you know the Father, you would know, or if you know me, or if you know the Father, you would know me. Essentially, like Jesus is saying, I come from the Father. I am God, and you're missing what's right before your eyes. So this is a huge jab to the religious. He's telling them, listen, you guys are missing the whole focus of the party. The party's about me. The party's about me, and you're missing me. You know, it's like a birthday party that you go to and it's your birthday, but nobody cares that you're there, right? It's all about God's provision. God provides Jesus for them and he's right there. Let's continue on. John 7, verse 32 says, the Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him and the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. So they're making a plan to, to arrest this crazy person who thinks he's God, who thinks he's the Messiah. Jesus then said, I will be with you a little longer. I love that. You guys, are gonna, you guys think you're going to arrest me? Just so you know, I've got different plans, and I'm going to be here a little bit longer. And then I'm going, uh, going to him who sent me. Essentially, I'm going back to God himself. You will seek me, and you will not find me. Where I am going, or where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dis dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying, you will seek me, and you will not find me? And where I am, you cannot come. Jesus tells them, once again, you can't arrest me. It's not my time to go, but it's coming. And then he's referring to the fact that he will be crucified. And he will go into the grave, and then he will be resurrected. And you will be looking for me, but I will not be here. I will be with my Father. Again, he's telling them, hey, you're missing me. You're missing who I really am. I'm right before you. He talks about the dispersion. This is this group of, of Gentiles that live outside of Palestine. And they're like, are you going to go? They're just thinking literally, like, where's Jesus going to go? Is he walking away? Is he just going to leave town? Jesus is like, no, I'm going to be with my father, my father who sent me. And you're going to be looking for me, but you're going to miss me. This is a really big deal that you know what you think about Jesus. And this is what he's telling them. He's like, do you realize that you're missing me? And because you're missing who I am, you are missing God himself. This is a really big point. It's really important that everybody knows, like, who is Jesus? He's not just a good teacher. He's not just a good man. He is actually God himself in the flesh. And then he tells them specifically, hey, it's not my time to go. And so I want you to write this down. Our plans will always be in submission, or will be in submission to God's plans. So the first thing we start off with is that everything comes from God. Everything that we have, everything that we do, all of our resources and talents and abilities, everything on this earth comes from God. It's his gift to us. And then we realize that everything is in full submission to God. So all the things that we think that we can control, it's just an illusion. You know, we can't really control anything. And so Jesus is telling these people, just so you know, you don't have authority over me. My, my, my father has authority over me. And I will go when my father says, it's time for me to go. We need to slow down and remember these two things, don't we? Like we need to consistently in our lives remember that everything comes from God and everything is in full submission to God. Like that's, that needs to be a rhythm in our lives. In fact, on Monday, we had a prayer night here at ACF Church. Anybody come to the prayer night? Anybody that was here? You guys who came, it was amazing. It was so good because we slowed down and we said, listen, uh, we don't know what's going to come in the future. We don't know what's going to happen, but we want to fix our eyes on Jesus. And we worshiped, and, and we sang, and we prayed together. We were on our knees praying for the church, praying for our city. And it was so good because it changes your heart when you do that, doesn't it? Like you can actually have peace amidst all the chaos. And when your friends are freaking out, you can be like, listen, my king is still king. My Lord is still Lord. Nothing has changed Nothing has changed between the 7th, 8th, and ninth. Like, nothing has changed. Jesus is still Lord overall. And so we need to slow down and remember those things, just as these people were trying to do, but they were missing God's provision right 
before their eyes. It's easy to miss what God's done for you, isn't it? Isn't it easy to overlook all the blessing in your life? I mean, we get used to the things that we have. Uh, Maybe you're used to having food in your stomach, and so you don't think much about eating a meal. Like for you, going to lunch is just what you do after church. For some people, that would be like a huge opportunity to thank God for his provision. For us, we get up, and I opened a closet, and I had all kinds of clothes to choose from, and I chose a shirt and picked a pair of shoes, one of my many pairs of shoes, and I came to church today. And I don't think much about God's provision, but those are moments that, that we need to slow down and say, you know what, man, am I blessed? I can't believe how blessed I am. But we miss it. We often miss it. Verse 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. First, Jesus starts off by saying, if anyone thirsts, he's, he's saying, of course, your body thirsts. We all need water to drink, but literally your soul needs water. Your soul needs something. We have thirsty souls. Do you know that? That when you were born, you were born with a thirsty soul, like a soul that was not quenched, was always thirsty. And I mean, if you looked at your own life, you'd see that. You'd see like, okay, so I'm trying to fill a void in my life with all of these different things. It may be relationships. It may be stuff that you buy. It may be that promotion at work. Whatever it may be, we all have voids in our lives we're trying to fill. And Jesus is like, listen, you want to fill that void? Are you thirsty? Are you really thirsty? Then come to me. Come to me if you want to quench your thirst. And I'm going to give you a river of living water. A river of living water. Now this is important. This is important. This is key. For us to understand that when we get Jesus, we don't just get a drink. We get a river of living water. There's, there's two kinds of Christians out there, right? There's Christians that come to Jesus to get a drink. And maybe you've said this before. You're like, I gotta go to church this week to get filled up. Have you said this before? I gotta get filled up, right? Because this week has been terrible. Or, you know, I had this struggle at work or this struggle in my home or I can't get my kids to do what I want. I gotta get filled up on Jesus on Monday or on Sunday so that it can drain out all week long so that I can get back to church next Sunday and get filled back up and it can drain out all week long. And so Jesus becomes sort of a commodity to be consumed instead of a savior to be worshiped. It's a difference, right? Like, can I just get a little bit of Jesus in me? Just enough to get me by for a week. And Jesus, this is challenging what he says here. He says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So how do you know if somebody is a believer? How do you know? From their heart flows rivers of living water. It's like, it's like when you get Jesus, you don't just get a drink that now you got to keep going back in the sense like, i got to keep going to church or keep doing this, this religious activity to get, to get filled up or whatever. No, Jesus comes inside of you and becomes a well or a spring or like the Yukon River of living water. And then we live our life filled all to the brim, overflowing into the lives of the people around us. How do you know if you're a Christian? You're overflowing. You're overflowing with living water into the lives of those who are around you. You see, Jesus doesn't have what we need. He is what we need. It's a big difference there. Write that down. Jesus doesn't have what we need. He is what we need. He, he's not the genie in the bottle, you know? He's not the, the, the vending machine that we go to to get what we want. Jesus actually is what we need. And when we have Jesus, we have everything we need. You believe that today? Anybody? This is a big deal. I mean, this changes everything about your life. If you're just always running on empty, always, you know, feeling like, man, I just can't get any traction, you know, in my, in my life, and, and you're wondering, like, how do I be full? Get Jesus, and you'll have everything that you could possibly need, a, a well of living water. John 6, 35, I'm the bread of life, Jesus says. Whoever comes to me and eats will never hunger again, and whoever believes in me will never thirst again. So why are you so thirsty? So why are you just parched? Why are you living the life of somebody who's always thirsting, always parched, when if Jesus comes in and actually consumes your life, if you truly surrender to him, you will always be quenched, always full, have everything you could possibly need. That's a good life, isn't it? Do you want to feel that way when you wake up in the morning? You can actually feel full, like, man, I got everything that I need. The the, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I've got everything that I need because God is with me, because Jesus is in me. And so when you live like that, you can overflow because so many people, so many Christians, I think don't live lives that are overflowing because you're so busy trying to get filled up, right? 
You're like, how could I ever help anybody else? I can barely make it through my day, right? I've got this problem and this issue and things, and so we're focused so much on ourselves, and Jesus says, just come to me. Come to me, and I'll fill you up and give you everything you could possibly need. Verse 38, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water, like a fountain or a river inside of you of living water. Okay, so it's kind of like this. I'm going to draw a little picture, if that's all right. So every, uh, every summer comes around, and I am like, I'm the kind of guy that washes his cars like three times a week. I just love washing my cars. And uh, I just like keeping things clean. I'm, I'm a car nut. And so this happens every year. I'll go outside and I'll, you know, get the, the car all covered in suds and soap. And, you know, then I'll get the hose reeled out. And then I'll go like try to rinse down the car. I'll be rinsing it down. And as I'm doing it, all of a sudden the pressure will go to nothing. And I'm like, what's the deal? And I start smacking the handle on my hip. And I'm like, what's going on with the hose? And trying to deal, what's, what's wrong with the handle? And then I look back and there's my daughter, right? And she's her favorite game. She goes and she finds the hose and she's holding it with a kink, right? And she's just got a big smile on her face. And, and so then like, you know, I chase after her with a hose. I, you know, push her out of the way and she lets go of the hose and I spray her with the water, right? Because that's what you do as a dad. You soak your kid. And so it's, it's a lot of fun. And so every year, um, this is my, my kid's favorite game is, is doing that. And so I was thinking our life is a little bit like, like that, kind of like that hose, and so you've got like, you've got the hose and then out here you've got kind of the tip, you know, and then, you know, from here flows water. And so this is how life's supposed to work. You follow Jesus and he comes into your heart and you experience grace for the first time. And, it, and it's good, right? And it's so good. You get the grace of Jesus into your life. And the intention is that it would flow into your life and then out of your life into the, into the world, right? We just said this. If Jesus is in your heart, if he flows into your life, he becomes this well or this river of living water that flows out into the world. But something then happens. Something happens. There's like this obstruction that ends up in the middle of our lives. And you've felt this in different ways, right? And I was just, I was thinking about this this week. I'm like, what are the obstructions to the flow in my life? And I was thinking about um, things like selfishness. Selfishness is an obstruction when I'm so consumed with my problems or with my opportunities that I can't think of the people around me, can't think of how God has given me everything that I need, um, selfishness gets in the way of the flow. I think about doubt. Doubt. Maybe you doubt God. Maybe you doubt that he's actually done a real work inside of you. Maybe you don't help others or give to others or do anything like that. You don't live a generous life because you don't think God's gonna give back to you if you're honest. You're like, if I let go of this, that's it, right? You live a life that, that feels like, you feel like kind of the resources and the opportunities in your life are limited. And, and, and so you're like, I don't know if God can do anything with this. And so doubt. I'd say this is a big one. Fear. I think fear can be a huge obstruction. And so here's how I would describe many, many, many Christians is sort of living lives where somebody's got the hose and it's just kinked. And so you keep asking questions like, why can't I experience more of the forgiveness of Jesus? Don't you want to just wake up and know that that thing that you did years ago or 20 minutes ago is just as far as the east is from the west? And don't you want to feel like, okay, I have peace with God? Well, for you to receive forgiveness means that you need to give forgiveness. A lot of times the reason we can't be forgiven is because we have unforgiveness in our lives towards our brother, towards our sister, towards our mother, towards that old friend, whatever it may be. What is it in your life that you're like, I wish I could receive it more? We need to be actually giving what we want to receive. If you want to receive it, you got to give it. And what that does is that breaks down the kink in the hose and allows you to flow out here. And then what flows out of you will end up flowing into you. Whatever it is, you want to experience God's provision in your life, you should provide for somebody else. When you provide for somebody else, you're going to experience God's provision. It's one thing to say, oh, everything comes from God. It's another thing to live like that, isn't it? I mean, do you live like that? Do you believe, because that's how you can tell, like, hey, if I've got a river of living water flowing up in me, if everything, all of the, the resources and all of creation are at the fingertips of God, and now because he's in me, I have everything that I need, then I can hold really loosely to everything that I experience and have in this life. My, my talents, my resources, my finances, I can really have open hands because God can do anything he wants. Everything comes from God. 
So just take a quick audit of your life. Do you live like that? Is your life flowing like a river of, of living water out into the lives of others? Just think of one thing that you want to experience from God. If you want to experience it, you need to give it. You need to let it go. And then you'll experience it. Jesus doesn't just have what we need. What we need. He is what we need. Everything comes from Jesus. Has anybody ever, um, just take a quick poll, anybody in this room ever been um, able to swim in the Dead Sea? Anybody in this room had that? Okay, a few of you guys. Yeah, I had a few of you in each service. So a couple of years ago, we were able to go to Jordan. And the Dead Sea is this crazy anomaly where, like, it's just full of salt and deposits. And so it's, it's really cool. You get out there and you don't sink. You just kind of bob around because you're so buoyant in that salt water. And what's going on in the Dead Sea is you've got this river, you've got the Jordan River flowing into the Dead Sea, but nothing flows out of it. And so ultimately, that, that water just pools up and all the sediment pools up in that water. You know what lives in the Dead Sea? Anybody? Yeah, it's an easy one. Nothing. Nothing lives in the Dead Sea because it's called the Dead Sea, right? So nothing lives in the Dead Sea. It's just kind of, you know, they try to harvest the salt and stuff, but the water is just worthless. There's nothing uh, that it can be used for because nothing flows out. I feel like this is really the life of a Christian that doesn't flow into the, into the community, flow into the lives of others. It's like you get all stopped up and ultimately you become really religious but a little worthless for the kingdom of God. Like, you do a lot of really good things. You're at church every week, you know. Like, it looks really pretty from the outside. You don't cuss, you know. Like, that's great, you know. Maybe, maybe you, you, uh, you hang out with Christian people. Um, you know a few verses. That's kind of nice. But if you looked at your life, if you're honest, which I hope we can be honest at church. You better be, right? Be honest at church that we can say, like, okay, it seems like something's kinking the line when it comes to my life. Maybe it's selfishness. Maybe it's doubt. Maybe it's fear that God is not really the provider of all things, you know? Or maybe it's this. I feel like another word that we could add here is comfort. I love to be comfort, comfortable. I got a recliner and I love it. I love to sit in it. I'm excited after Thanksgiving dinner, I'm going to go sit in that recliner and just fall asleep, watching football. Every year I look forward to that. I love comfort. But sometimes to pour out into the world means you're going to get a little uncomfortable, it means you've got to let go of what gives you comfort sometimes. And, and you find out, my comfort isn't coming from Jesus, it's coming from something else. And you know it because you can't let go of it. Whatever it may be, whatever it may be, if you can't let go of it, that is the source of your comfort. Now let's kind of dig in a little deeper here this morning. There's a verse in Galatians 6. It says this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows that will he also reap. Okay, so this is, this is the parable. It's called the parable of the, of, the, uh, of the dishonest manager. And Jesus is talking about like, like what you put in the, I'm, I'm sorry, that's Galatians. But, so Paul is talking about um, how, how what you put in the ground, what you sow is actually what you reap. And so if you ever like planted anything in the ground, you know seeds are no good in your pocket or in your hand. They have to actually be put in the ground. And when you put them in the ground, you can actually grow something. And so this is a really challenging verse when I was reading it this week is it's saying like, hey, you can deceive other people, but you can't deceive God. He is not mocked. If you don't put something in the ground, you're never going to harvest anything. It's once again this whole like what flows out of you it's what's, is what's going to end up flowing into you. And if you can't release what you have, then you can't receive from God. The releasing is the key to receiving from God. He says, God won't be mocked. Whatever you sow, that you will reap. Now, now think about this. Just, just think about the stories throughout Scripture. Think about the people that God uses in amazing ways to expand his kingdom. You guys know Moses. So Moses was leading God's people as they're in those 40 years of wandering. These people who are celebrating this holiday would have been really familiar with Moses. And so Moses, as God calls to him, he, he looks at God and he's like, God, don't you know that I'm kind of slow to speech? You know, like, I am not the best leader. Uh, I'm not a great speech giver. God, just go find somebody else because I don't, I'm not really your man. And then God asks him this really important question. He says, Moses, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? Moses is like, I got a stick. A stick in my hand, God. And God says, throw it on the ground. So Moses throws the stick on the ground. You guys remember this story? And it turns into, anybody remember? A snake. Turns into a snake. And Moses is like, whoa, this is crazy. And in that moment, when, when that stick turns into a stake, uh, Mo Moses realizes this isn't about my abilities. 
This isn't about what I can do or what I have. This is about God who has unlimited resources, unlimited power, him doing a miracle through me. And if you just look at the men and the women that God uses throughout Scripture, he chooses the ones that are most jacked up and uses them for the most amazing things to, uh, to just put his glory on display, that it's all about him anyway. That same stick later on, what do we know? We know that when they're wandering in the desert, people are thirsty, they're complaining, they're griping, like, why did God take us out here? Why did you take us out here? We're going to die. There's no water. And so God tells Moses, hey, take that stick and tap the rock. He taps the rock, water comes flowing from the rock, and, and, and thousands of people get water. It's kind of, kind of a cool party trick, right? I mean, just with a stick. And so I love, just think about this for a second. I love that Moses, all he has to offer is a stick. That's what he has. Like he was probably walking down a trail one day, and he didn't want to fall and break a hip. And he's like, there's a stick right there, picks up the stick. And here's what's so interesting is to this day, people are still looking for that stick. People are still looking for it. Archaeologists, everybody wants to find the stick. Wow, it'd be so cool, you know, where he parted the Red Sea. All that he did with that stupid stick, you know? The power wasn't in the stick. The power was in God himself, working through somebody who was willing to put down what he had. You know what question God doesn't ask Moses? Moses, what do you not have? Moses, tell me the things that you wish that you had. Tell me all of the, 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 the things that you wish you could do, the talents you wish you had, the resources you wish you had. Tell me all about what you don't have. No, God says, what do you have? He's like, I got a stick. And God's like, perfect, throw it on the ground. See, it took Moses surrendering what he had to be able to see a miracle in his life. And I believe that that was the moment that Moses stepped back and was like, maybe I can actually say I believe that everything comes from God because I surrendered what I had. Think about other people throughout the Bible. Think about, so Jesus, he, he, before his crucifixion, he rides into the city on a donkey. You guys know this story? Rides into the city on the donkey, and, and, and when he tells his disciples, he's like, you gotta go get me a, get me a ride. You gotta get me a, a donkey. So go into this town and just tell them, hey, Jesus needs a donkey, and then they come back. They kind of do like a, like a donkey jacking, like a car jacking. They come back with a donkey, and they said, just tell them, hey, Jesus needs the donkey, but you know what nobody ever talks about? is the dude that owned the donkey, right? Nobody ever talks about, like, who's, whose donkey was that? Who was it that was like, are you serious? You're gonna take this? Like, that guy had to let go of that animal, and that animal ended up being the vehicle that, that Jesus himself rode into town before he was crucified. Like, I bet the guy that owned it was like, y'all, that's my donkey! That's mine! That's my donkey! He's probably so excited that what he had was being used for such an amazing thing. Do you guys know the story of Joseph of Arimathea? This is, so Jesus, he's crucified, and, and then they're like, hey, we gotta bury him somewhere, and this rich man, Joseph, ends up surrendering his grave. His grave, not somebody else's, his grave. And this is, this is substantial, because in their time, where you were buried and how you were buried was a really big deal. And for me, I'm just like, burn me up, throw me on a river somewhere, like, I don't care. But for, for them, it was a huge deal. So this rich man surrenders his grave and, and then that ends up being the location of the resurrection of the Son of Man. That's cool, right? He had to be like, that's my grave. That's so awesome. That's where Jesus was resurrected. What a cool thing. So all these people throughout Scripture, whether it be th their talents or their, their ideas or whatever it be, God uses them in all their inadequacy. And he multiplies what they have and uses it for the kingdom. And the only thing they had to do was let it go. Let it go. You had to surrender what was in your hand to see a miracle in your life. I want you to know that today. When you surrender what's in your hand, you're going to see miracles in your life. God's provision is going to be all over your life. See, generosity, write this down. Generosity is like Drano for a stopped up soul. If you're here today and you're like, man, uh, I don't know, like my religion feels like kind of religious and like going to church feels a little bit kind of like just that thing I do on Sunday and I'm not really into this and in fact, if I'm honest, like I just come to church but nothing else in my life has really changed and so there's this like tension in my soul where I feel a little bit like a hypocrite and I don't really know what to do about it. See, God gave us a gift and that gift is the gift of being able to give away what we have. And so generosity is like Drano for a stopped up soul. It's what helps things to start moving. It's what breaks some of the stoppages in our lives and allows us to see God for all of his provision. 
Luke 16.10, this is the parable I was telling you about, the parable of the dishonest manager. It says, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And the one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. So Jesus is talking to this crowd and he's telling them about, about their, their, their stuff, like everything that they have. And he's like, you know what you guys think? You guys think if God gave you more, you would be more generous. Jesus tells them, no, you won't. No, you won't. You think that you will. You think that, well, if I just got to this point, then I'd be generous. Well, if I just did that, if I just had these things or that guy's talents or this guy's abilities or this lady's stuff, whatever it is, then I'd be a generous person. Jesus says, no, you won't. No, you won't. Those who are dishonest with little will be, dis- will be dishonest with much. But those who are honest with little will also be honest with much. You know what he's saying? He's saying your stuff is a test. Your stuff is a test. God is actually testing you to see if you actually trust him. Do you trust him? So for us here in, in, in ACF Church, I think this, is, this really hits home because there is a lot of opportunities in our city. There are a lot of needs in our community. Even for you, you see opportunities all day long. You have friends that have needs. You have people in your community that have needs. And so for you, I don't know what you've done in your life, but you have an opportunity to step in and to release what you have and see miracles happen in people's lives. And to be like, that's cool. Like, it's not about me, but I got to be a part of that. I got to be a part of that. So how does this look when it comes to your finances? when it comes to the money that we have. I know right now, economically, people are concerned. There's a lot of change in our country, and so the tendency is to kind of hold tight. To hold tight. If I just hold on tight, I can protect myself. But remember the two, first two principles. What were they? Everything comes from God, and everything is in submission to God. In fact, let's say it together. First one, everything comes from God. Everything is in submission to God. Okay, so that's good. So we know that to be true, and then we hold on and think that we can control. And the reality is we can't. We can't control it. So that's why God has given us a gift. It's a gift of generosity. He is a generous God, and so he teaches his people to be generous. And so for you today, um, there's probably a few stages of this. And, and if you want to write these down, the first one is this. I would write down interested. Interested. So I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt today that when you woke up this morning, you didn't think, I wish I could be less generous. Like, I wish I could just hold on tight. I wish I could be a little bit more greedy in my life. I'm going to give everybody in the room the benefit of the doubt and assume that when you got up today or when you think about generosity, you think, I want to be more generous. In fact, maybe you really respect somebody who is really generous. Maybe somebody has been generous to you and you know it. And you're like, man, I've been like a recipient of generosity I mean, at least, at the very least, you have all been recipients of God's generosity, amen? Like, if you're a believer here today, then you have grace unending, and that's pretty generous, right? Because you don't deserve that, and I don't deserve that, so that's pretty generous. So, aside from that, other kinds of generosity. So, I'm going to assume that most people are, like, interested. Ah, I'd like to be generous, not really sure how, don't really know what the next step is when it comes to my finances. And then I would say the next step is this, write down initial, Initial. So you're interested, and then, like, there's that moment where you realize, okay, I need to try this. I need to give for the first time, right? And so, like, the plate comes by, and, you, like, you get your little envelope, and you're, like, you're, you're, you're perspiring, and you're anxious, and your hand's kind of shaking as you're writing the check, and you put it in the envelope, and then you drop it in the plate, and it goes by, and you kind of watch it go around the room, and then you watch it go to the back, and the lady opens up the box, and she puts it in the box, then she locks the key, and, like, you know, you're just like, oh, how do I get back into that box? How do I open it up and get my stuff out of that box? You're, you're just, you're anxious and you don't know, like, was it worth it? Should I have done it? I don't know. So this is just kind of like the initial gift. And many people have taken that step. Some of you have not done anything. The next time you're like, I I gave. Or maybe it was a friend of yours, a neighbor who, uh, you know, single mom and her washing machine went out and you bought her a new washing machine. You're like, hey, I did it. I did it. That's good. I I did it. So the next step would be, I would call impulsive. Impulsive. This is, so first it's like I'm interested, then I give that initial gift, and now I'm kind of an impulsive giver, right? 
I don't know, like once in a while I feel bad for the guy on the street corner and then light, the light turns red like, and you're at the front of the line and he's right there with a the sign. And so you're staring at your, your dashboard like just don't look at him, just don't look at him. Just don't, and then you're like, oh, I gotta give him some money, but should I? And is this bad? And then maybe you do, like you give him a buck, right? And you're like, I don't know. I don't know why I did that, but I did it. And so then maybe you come to church and, and, and you see an opportunity at church and you're like, ah, maybe I give a dollar there or something. And it's just kind of sporadic, right? You know, there's a, there's a hurricane in some part of the country and you get on GoFundMe and you give a couple bucks, right? So you're, you're an impulsive giver. It's kind of like the verse that Danny shared last week where like kind of sob stories get you. Like if there's a little tear in your eye, you're like, oh, okay, I'm, I gotta be a part of this, right? And so unless there's an emotion tied to your giving, uh, you don't really do it. But when there is, you're like, oh yeah, it's good, I like it, I'm giving. And so there's emotion, there's impulsive. The next step I would call intentional. Intentional. So this, this is where you are actually making a plan to be a generous person. This is the next step. You're like, okay, so instead of just doing it whenever I feel it, I'm actually going to make a plan. This is going to be a consistent thing in my life. And so um, another way to, to, to describe this would be something called tithing. Tithing. Tithing is the first 10% of everything that we have. So tithing is a biblical principle. It's, a, it's an Old Testament principle. It's a New Testament principle. We, we see it affirmed in both. We see Jesus in his life affirming tithing. That's a whole other theological conversation if that's your hang-up. But anyway, so that's another conversation. But tithing is definitely a biblical principle. It's not a negotiable. It's not like, you know, Christianity 2.0. This is Christianity 1.0 and obedience to God. We start off by giving him our first and our best. And so that's, that's intentional giving. That's saying, listen, I'm part of the church, and so I want to support the mission of the church. Do you like this church? Awesome. <laughs> I quit. I'm out of here. <laughs> like, I don't know what to say that. So I hope you do. Okay, sweet. That's good. Thank you. Affirm me. Affirm me. So if... It's uh, good. Seven people like the church. That's good. That's all I need, right? That's all I need. I'll keep preaching for seven of you. No, so good stuff going on. I love the church. I love what's happening in our church. I love that we don't have enough room in this room today. I mean, that's praise God for that. Amen? And that's a, that's a great thing to have. But guess what? These lights don't turn on by themselves, right? Everything takes money to, to happen. And so for us to go like, we gotta be part of the mission. We gotta, in fact, not just I gotta be, it's my joy to be. It's my joy to be because God was first generous to me. And he gives me everything that I have. And so we make this rhythm in our lives. And I, I've told you stories about how this was hard for me when I first got married. And so I just am completely honest that I have like, there's a deep-seated greed in my heart. I know it. And so God has given me my wife as a gift for me who is just totally generous and she always wants to give everything we have away and I'm like, no, stop, right? So I need that. I need that. So we've made a rhythm in our life of just giving the first and the best. I used to make excuses. I work at the church. I don't have to tithe. Nope. That's not how it works, right? I got to do it like everybody else has to do it. So I do it. That's the first step. So interested, initial, impulsive, intentional, last, I would call intensive. Intensive giving. So when we take our offering, what we, what we say is we, we say we're giving our tithes and our offerings. Now the tithe is the first 10% that we're like, okay, we're going to set this aside. And essentially tithing is like your feast of the tabernacle. Like tithing is your weekly or monthly or whatever rhythm that you do something that costs you something that reminds you that everything comes from God and that everything is in submission to God. That's why we do it. It reminds us of that. Now, you can say you believe it, but you don't believe it until you let something go. I'm just telling you. You don't believe it until you release what's in your hand. You can be like, I know God could turn the stick into a snake, but I, I you know, like, no, no, I totally believe it. Totally believe it. Just don't want to actually let it go. You don't believe it until you do it. So intensive is like an offering above and beyond. It's me going, okay, so what are the other needs outside of the church? What are the things that I can do to be a part of? What is God doing that's going to be above and beyond that normal giving that I'm just going to give sacrificially of, of, of my stuff and I'm going to see God do it. And, and as I do, I'm going to see God's grace and his provision flow into my life as I'm providing for others and being part of God's mission in our community. So I'd say the one thing that is keeping us 
from flowing is this one word. Write this down. Trust. Trust is the one thing that's going to get you from here to here. It's just trust. It's just trust. It's just you believing that although I don't have everything I could possibly want and, you know, God, you don't understand. I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't have this. God's saying, what do you have? Trust me with what you have and what flows out of your life will flow into your life. What flows out of your life will flow into your life. And so today is a, is a really big day as, our, as a church. If you're new today, I just want to tell you, like, you know, total disclosure, um, this is a really big morning, and I know we're talking about finances, but our church, our church is taking a next step. So we feel a, as a leadership team and as a community that God is calling us to really establish ourselves here in Eagle River. Um, if you don't know the story of our church, about seven years ago we moved into this building with, I think, 30 people. Um, and God has been so gracious to us. It's been crazy, you guys, the miracles we've seen. And when we moved into this room, it, was, it felt ridiculous. Think of 30 people in this room. We had curtains curtaining off each side of this room. Like, I remember coming up here, I was leading worship, and I'm just like, this is like a cavern. This feels, is this almost like, it's like we, we shouldn't even have a building this big. It doesn't feel even right. But it was an act of faith moving in here, and God, you know, on a weekend, we have over 1,000 people come to church. And so we're like, okay, so God is doing something in our city. So here's what we could do as a church. We could get comfortable. That would be easy. And a lot of churches do this. They get comfortable. And they're like, okay, God, we've done some good stuff. Or maybe you're like, well, you know, I'm not going to live in Alaska forever, so I'm just going to kind of consume from the church, then I'm going to leave, and it'll be fine. I don't have to think about it anymore. We could get comfortable. But what you need to know is comfort is like kinking the hose, And so if you want ACF Church, if you love the church, like you said, six of you, if you love the church, talking to the six, and you want the church to continue to be the church that it is, we can't stop. Like, we can't stop reaching our community. We can't get comfortable when there are people outside of these walls who are in desperate need of the grace of Jesus. Like, how, how terrible would that be to just become stop? That, that's what the church can become is sort of this cesspool of religious activity when you kink the hose. So for us, kinking the hose is like, listen, we're comfortable, we're not going to do anything with this space, but here's the deal, we are running out of space, and we need to do something, and it's, gonna, it's a huge goal that we've set, and we need all of everybody to be a part of it. So if you don't have one of our Next Step cards, we have them in the seat in front of you. Um, we have been praying as a leadership team about this for a year, and so a month ago, we came before you and said, hey, we're just going to start praying about what, what God is calling us to do as a church. We believe that he's calling us to plant ourselves in, in this corner, in this location. We may be purchasing a, a facility to make more space. We may be expanding this current facility, but we need to actually get the, the resources and the finances in so we can start to pursue our next step as a church. So it's gonna take you taking a next step for us as a community to take our next step. And it's going to take everybody being involved. And if you're here today and you're like, Brian, well, I just, I don't, I didn't fill one out because I don't have anything to give. What do you have in your hand? A stick? We'll take it, right? We'll take it. If you're like, I got a stick in my hand, we'll take it because you need to trust God. And I've been telling people from the beginning of this conversation, I don't think any of this is about a building. I think it's all about our hearts. I think it's all about a work that God wants to do in our church. And so if we end up, you know, building something and expanding, that's going to be really cool, you know, whatever. But you know what that'll be? That'll be a product of what God does in our hearts. And so if you're here today, you're a teenager, you know, whoever you are, I want you to pray and ask God, God, how do I take my next step so that I can invest in your ministry here and so that I can actually see somebody else take their next step and be like, I was a part of that. And so that I can start to see your miracles and your provision released in my life. And that's what we need to do. We need to take a next step so that we can see that good stuff going on in the church, amen? Good stuff going on. So this is our day. This is, uh, this is the first of, uh, of many opportunities, I would say, to be part of the ACF Next Step. Um, and so what you've got is those cards. If, you, if you're here today and you're like, Brian, I haven't prayed about this, I haven't thought about this, or uh, you know, if you're new or whatever, I just encourage you to take that home. Um, we, what we're doing is this is an eight-month process. We're going to spend eight months raising the resources so that we can actually uh, have, a, have a, the resources in, in hand um, to take our next step as a church. And so, um, so you can jump in next week. If you're like, Brian, um, you know, I, I just need a little bit more, more time, you can do that. 
Uh, but today, we really need to get kind of the foundation of, of what, what we're going to get into the, into the basket so that we can know kind of where this whole thing is going. So I encourage you to be part of this today if you can. Um, on that card, the first step says, um, I am tithing. And so if you're here today and you're like, you're not tithing, I'd encourage you to take that first step and then to, to pray about it and ask God, God, what would you have me do? And so as we said, we don't feel like we want to sell you a vision. We don't think that the vision of God needs to be sold. And so we've, we've done this a little different. This hasn't been like a traditional capital campaign. We just felt like we want to share the vision with you. And we believe that as you follow God, as you pray about this stuff, that we're going to take the next step that God calls us to. And so um, I'm excited about this. So as we take uh, communion this morning, uh, every week we have communion on each side of the stage. Um, During the worship time, you can come up these aisles and you can receive communion. And communion is a representation of the blood and the body of Christ. His, His body broken, his blood spilled out for us, for our sins. And then you can drop your card in that box, and that is your representation of giving back your best to God. And so just as the the blood and the body, the sacraments are a representation of God giving us his very best, then we give God our best. And so this is a great opportunity today to do that. And and you can be involved later, but understand that that this is a huge goal, and we'd love for you all to be a part of it, and to trust that that as we release what's in our hand, we're going to see miracles happen in our city. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for your grace. God, thanks that you have abundantly blessed us. God, I confess that I I don't see it often. Um, God, that uh, I miss your blessing. I become entitled. And God, I complain when I don't get one thing and I forget all of what you've given me. Jesus, I pray over our entire church that we would have a spirit of generosity. God, that we'd be a church marked by our generosity to our city, to our friends, to each other. God, as people look in at the church, they would see a generous church that represents a generous God. You are so good to us. So, Father, we pray over the next eight months and this journey that we're on as a church that you would provide. We trust, God, that um, as you call us into a next step and just as as individuals we have to trust, as as a community we trust, God, that you will provide the right people and the right resources for us to take whatever the next step is that you're calling us to. God, I know it takes faith. So God, would you get rid of fear in our hearts today and replace it with trust? God, would you take away the the, the sense of comfort that we just want to be comfortable, God, and give us a vision for your kingdom? God, where, where we don't trust you, where we don't have, where we have comfort, God, where we don't have joy in our giving, God, would you give us joy? Would you give us peace? God, we look forward to what you provide. And we'll give you all the glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks.